I said, the Lord is about to bless you. Amen. As you keep standing, turn your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 to 11. St. Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, chapter 2, verse 9 to 11. I'm going to read from the New International Version. If you are there, you say, Amen. Amen. If you're not there, you say, I'm lost. Philippians is somewhere after Genesis between Revelation and Malachi. <laughs> when you find it by next year, let me know. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 to 11 says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Father, we pray that you bless your word this morning. Let your name be glorified in this service. Speak to us in the way we shall understand. Let the eyes of our understanding be enlightened that we may understand the mystery and the revelation of this word. Take preeminence in this service and reveal yourself to your people, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 You may be seated. This morning, I would like to talk to you from the song that we just sang this morning. I'm talking to you this morning on the theme, Jesus is Lord. I said, Jesus is Lord. Amen. Can you look at your neighbor in your eyes like you came from North Korea this morning and say, Jesus is Lord. You are not serious like a North Korean. Say, look your neighbor into his eyes or her eyes like you came from North Korea and say, Jesus is Lord. I want you to dim your eyes a little bit like a Chinese person saying, Jesus is Lord. Like you are really serious. And say, Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Whenever we say Jesus is Lord, to us as Christians, is a declaration. But Jesus as Lord is a bone of contention between Christians and other religions. Because when we say Jesus is Lord, to the Muslims, it means we have another God beside the God in heaven called Jesus. So when we say Jesus is Lord to the Muslims and many other religions, it introduces the concept of polytheism, meaning that we worship multiple gods. When we say Jesus... Is law. There is a great controversy around the statement, Jesus is law. The Muslims understand when we say Jesus is law to mean that Jesus is God. And therefore, beside God, like I said, there is another God called Jesus. And that is why the Muslims accuse Christians of worshipping multiple gods. They say we worship a God called the Father, another God called the Son, another God called the Holy Spirit. And this is the mystery of the Trinity because no matter how hard we try to explain the Trinity, we can never find any human description to explain the Trinity because it is a mystery. A mystery means that something that cannot be revealed or understood or understood by man. The best way I've tried to explain Trinity, which is far short from the glorious revelation, is the, the, the analogy of water, ice, and steam. Water, ice, and steam. When you have water in its different form, it's water, right? 
When you put it in the freezer, it becomes what? It becomes ice. When you boil it, it comes out as steam. The oil is what? Water. So you have God the Father, liquid. God the Son, ice. And God the Holy Spirit, the steam. The oil is what? Water. Now, if somebody tells you that ice is not water, it's lying, it's lying, right? Because it all formed down to water. The steam is not ice. That is why the Holy Spirit is not Jesus, but it's God. It's water. Amen. That is the simplest description I can describe Trinity to you, but it's still very short from the mystery of the Trinity. And so when we say Jesus is Lord, Many people understand it in a different way than we say it. Many Christians, especially in the Middle East, are being persecuted not because they left their religion to another religion. They are being persecuted on the foundation of Jesus is Lord. Because when you say Jesus is Lord, you just throw a challenge to Buddha. You just throw a challenge to any other God that is in the territory when you say Jesus is Lord. Whenever they are being persecuted, the first thing they ask them to do is to renounce Jesus as Lord. They don't care how many times you pray a day, the church you go to, as long as you do not say Jesus is Lord, they are fine. Because Jesus is Lord is a very powerful statement. So anytime you see Jesus is Lord on the car of somebody, don't think it's just a religious statement. It is a declaration that is very powerful. Hallelujah. Very powerful declaration. In Acts chapter 2, verse 36, the Bible says, Let all Israel be assured of this. God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Both Lord and Messiah. So, Jesus is, being Lord is different, and being Messiah is different. We're going to see that as we proceed. In Acts chapter 10, verse 36, it says, You know the Messiah... God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. We used to say that it's either Jesus is Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. It's either Jesus is Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. He can never be a partial Lord. He's either Lord of all. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, the Bible says, if you declare with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So the statement of Jesus is Lord is the foundation of salvation. If you don't believe that Jesus is Lord, you can't be saved. Because the statement Jesus is Lord is the foundation of salvation. And lastly, in Luke chapter 6 verse 5, it said, Then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. He said this because some people accused Jesus of not worshipping on Sunday, on Sabbath. He was busy doing things that were not supposed to be done on the Sabbath day. And there are still some people who say that we should not worship God on Sunday. It should be on Saturday, which was the Sabbath. But Jesus came to defy that concept saying, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. I mean, when, when I am here, the Sabbath is no longer important because I am the Sabbath. Amen. The Sabbath was made because of me. Amen. So now that I'm here, that Sabbath is no longer important. 
The Sabbath day was the seventh day of the, of the week, which was signifying rest. And Jesus said, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Because Jesus is our Sabbath. That is what we can worship on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. Excuse me. And it will not mean anything because Jesus is our Sabbath. Is somebody hearing me this morning? Going back to the text that we read this morning, let's see some few things before we see more about Jesus' law. The Bible said, therefore God highly exalted him and gave him the highest place. I used to say that anytime you see the word therefore in the Bible, know it is there for something. Anytime you see the word therefore, know it is there for something. So don't just read and go. You have to go back and see what was said before the word therefore came. Now in Philippians chapter 2, from verse 1 all the way down to verse 9, it speaks about a theory that theologians describe as kenosis. Kenosis simply means the process where Jesus emptied himself of all his glory and decided to come on the earth to be a man. The most common form of description I can use to explain to you what is kenosis is if you've ever watched Coming to America. Whoever watched that movie, Coming to America. Where the prince was very rich, he had all, but he decided to empty himself of all that prestige, that glory, and decided to come to the United States and even work at McDonald's, even though he was a prince. This is far, way, far, far from what I'm trying to describe. But I'm just trying to help you see what Jesus did. One theologian said that Jesus emptied himself of his glory and coming down on the surface of the earth to be man is like you today deciding to give, decide to, you deciding to give up your humanity in order to become an insect. Can you imagine that? You decide that, you decide that I want to go and save the insect kingdom. So I'm giving away my pedicure, manicure, my hairstyle. I want to go down to the earth and start crawling with all other insects. That is the description of what kenosis is all about. He gave up his glory and came down on the surface of the earth to be man. Then the Bible said, therefore, because of that act of giving up his glory, God gave him the highest place. God gave him the highest place. This reveals to us a concept of Christianity, which we have to understand that in Christ, the way up is going down. Can I say that again? The way up is going down. Whenever a house is being built, they don't start building up. They dig down into the foundation. And the deeper you go into the foundation, the stronger the building. The most humble people are those who will be highly exalted by God. This is the principle that Jesus revealed to us. If you empty yourself of all your humanity, of all the vain things of this world, then expect the Lord to take you to the highest place. Is somebody hearing me this morning? The way up is going down. Jesus became a servant before he was exalted. And the Bible says God gave him a name that is above every other name. One of the greatest blessings that the Lord can give to you is to give credit to your name. When God called Abraham, he said, I will make your name great. He said to David, I will make your name great. There is something about God making your name great. If God wants to bless you, if God wants to lift you up, God makes your name great. 
that at the mention of your name, people begin to favor others just because of you. For example, you go to someone and say, I am the son or the daughter of Pastor Ngalaklem. Also, oh, you can come in just by that name. I pray that your service to the Lord will give credit to your name. Amen. I say, may your relationship with God give credit to your name. Amen. That when somebody mentions your name, a credit, a respect is attributed to your name. Amen. Do you know that just by your family name, you can attract favor? Some people marry into certain families because of names. Just because of names. I pray may you become a mother. May you become a person. May you have a name that when they mention your name, people are attracted to your name. Amen. And then there are some names that when you call, people start praying. <laughs> oh God, Father, in the name of Jesus, help us. Just by that name. May you not have such a name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. God gave him a name that is above every other name. And he says that, and every knee should bow. Now when he says every knee should bow, he's not talking about bowing our knees. Literally. Now one of the things one theologian said is that Christians don't lie when they talk, but they lie when they sing. And I saw that this morning. We are saying, we bow down. And you're standing, ah, when are you bowing down? When are you singing? When are you going to bow down? Is it after the song or in the song or some years after? We bow down and was. I'm, I'm asking myself, are these people going to bow after church or when they get home? So we lift up holy hands in one accord, but our hands are down. We are lying in the very presence of God. You're saying something that you're not doing. We have to make sure that the things we sing, we actually practice it. If we, we are saying, if we bow down, let your knees be bowed. If your hands, if you're singing, your hands are up, let your hands be up. Hallelujah. So when he says that every knee should bow, it means that every knee, everybody pays allegiance to his name. Hallelujah. If you mention the name of the Queen of England, in England, there is a sense of reverence that is given to that name. If you mention the name of the President Donald Trump in this country, there is a reverence given, even if you don't like him, there is a reverence given to him because he's a president. But God gave Jesus a name that is not just acknowledged in America, but is universally acknowledged all over the world. Even if people don't believe in Jesus, but the name Jesus means something to anybody who knows who Jesus is. Hallelujah. He gave him a name that is above every other name. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. This is the place where people have trouble. Because when he says that, and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. This is where many people have a problem because as long as he's given a name, he can have a great name, we don't care. But the part about, about us confessing to the glory of the Father is where many people have a struggle. But we who understand know that if we confess him, we are giving glory to the Father. So anytime you say Jesus is Lord, you are not just making a declaration that is powerful, you're giving glory to the Father. That is what it means. Anytime you say Jesus is Lord, you are giving glory to the Father. It's just for example, if somebody walks into your house and says, this child is intelligent, who takes credit for that, for that statement? The parents of the child. This child is very intelligent. Credit goes to the Father. This child is very clean. Credit goes to the parents. 
Every good thing about a child gives credit to the parents. So whenever we say Jesus is Lord, we are giving glory to the Father. Hallelujah. And many people deny to confess that Jesus is Lord because if they actually say Jesus is Lord, then they are accountable to him because they declare him as Lord. That is why the most common way for people to be comfortable in their sins is to deny that God does not exist. Because if they believe that God exists, then they are accountable to him as their maker. So in order to be comfortable in their sins, they say it doesn't exist. Because when they say it doesn't exist, then they are not answerable to him and they are not, they are not, they are not responsible for anything that they are doing. But we understand that when we say Jesus is Lord, it's just more than a statement. There is something much more than just saying Jesus is Lord. When you go to court systems in the British um, territory, the judges in the, in the court are addressed, are addressed as your Lord. In the, in the in UK, for example, the mayor of London is called his what? The Lord Mayor. The person who owns the house is called a landlord. So when we say Jesus is Lord, what does that mean to us as Christians? What does it really mean when we say Jesus is Lord? The word Lord means one who controls a territory, one who has supreme authority, one who owns everything. Like I said, if I say, if I say you are the landlord of this place, it means that everything that is on this land belongs to you. If I say you are the lord of this town, it means that you are in control of this town. So when we say Jesus is Lord, what does that imply for us as Christians when we say Jesus is Lord? Now, the Bible says that God, ex God exalted Jesus and gave him a name that is above every other name. Before Jesus was exalted, there is something that Jesus actually did which gave him the name that is above every other name, is that he submitted himself to God. So when we say Jesus is Lord, we are saying that Jesus is the owner of my life. Jesus has supreme authority over me. Everything about me belongs to Jesus. Jesus has the final say in my life. Jesus is the governing principality of my life. When we say Jesus is Lord, and therefore, it means submission. When I say Jesus is Lord, it means I'm fully submissive. I'm fully submitted to Jesus. There is somebody I look up to. There is somebody over my life. It means that I am I'm a slave of somebody. Like slaves call their, 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 their masters, lords, because they were bought with a price. And they were slaves, answerable to them. They worked for their masters. If they made money, it belonged to their masters. If they had children, it belonged to their masters. So when I say Jesus is Lord, it means I'm fully submissive to him. If you claim that Jesus is Lord, then you are loyal to him. Hallelujah. Amen. You are completely loyal to him. Most people relate with Jesus as Savior, but not Lord. Most people relate with Jesus as Savior, but not Lord. I'm going to explain. When we say Jesus is Savior, what does that mean? The one that when you're in trouble, you call. The one that when you are sick, you call. The one that when you need help, you call. 
That Savior that is like 911, that number that is, you're quick to call when you're in trouble. That is how many of us relate with Jesus. Anytime we are sick, Jesus. We have a bad dream, Jesus. We need something, Jesus. We are going somewhere, Jesus. We are in trouble, Jesus. We need help, Jesus. We need promotion, Jesus. We need breakthrough, Jesus. That is him being Savior. But many people do not relate with him as Lord. Because as Savior, he's the one that delivers. He's the one that intervenes. He's the one that steps in in time of trouble. But as Lord, it means that he owns everything about you. He controls everything about you. He controls your life. He controls your possession. He controls your money. He controls your time. He controls your talent. He controls everything that you possess. It is very easy for us to relate with him as Savior because he will intervene. We can call his name. We can shout Jesus. But when it comes to him being Lord, many of us are very far from understanding the concept of Jesus being Lord of our lives. I pray that after this morning, as we enter this 2020, may Jesus not only be Savior, may he be Lord of your life. I say, may he be Lord of your life. In the name of Jesus. The reason why many people feel skeptical or feel tense or tension anytime money is mentioned in church is because Jesus is not your Lord. Because if Jesus is Lord, it means he owns everything. If I'm in my house talking about my money, why should it be uncomfortable? It's not your money. If you meet me on the street, for example, we are in a bus flying to London or somewhere, and I'm counting my money out loud, what is your problem? It is my money. The reason why you still find it difficult or you feel tense or you feel uncomfortable anytime money is mentioned is because you've not fully submitted everything to him. Because if he owns everything, what do you have to lose? Everything belongs to him. That is why there is nothing you can give to God. So giving to God becomes a privilege. That is why the concept of tithing in the Bible is not God asking for your money. God asks you to bring a tenth to signify or to always remember that he is Lord of your life. He's Lord of your finances. Hallelujah. If you live in the United States, you pay a percentage of your income to the United States government to show that you live in this country. If you can't live in the United States and pay your taxes in, in Africa or anywhere else, you pay your taxes where you live. If you truly say Jesus is Lord of your life, there will be something about you that indicates that you are submissive to somebody. You are submitted to somebody. That is why when we give, we are not giving because God loves you. We are giving because he is Lord. Hallelujah. He owns everything. Amen. Amen. Is somebody hearing me this morning? He owns everything. He controls and rules your territory. You are totally obedient to him. If Jesus is Lord. What does that mean when we say Jesus is Lord? You consider him first in every decision. Like I said, I was very challenged by one of our friends. I keep telling this story about one of our friends who is a 70 Adventist. He, we, we worked together at Facebook and he got a job with Verizon. Very good paying job. But that job required him to work on a Saturday. The boy turned down the job. He said, I cannot work on the day of worship. 
How many of us in this place will turn down a six-figure job because you want to be in church? You put church first. You put church at the last because it's not, it's not so important. You can manage church in your schedule. But when Jesus becomes the Lord of your life, your drive is not dollar. Your drive is not comfort. Your drive is not success. Your drive is not opportunity. Your drive is pleasing the Lord. God first. Jesus is Lord. For some of us, we manage our time. Then the leftovers, we give it to God. But when Jesus becomes Lord, he controls everything. Then you steal time from him to do what you need to do. Hallelujah. When Jesus becomes Lord, he's our first in everything. He becomes our priority. Jesus is Lord is, the, is a key to spiritual growth and intimacy. Let me explain this. If Jesus is not Lord of your life, how do you expect to have intimacy with him? Under normal circumstances, it is only when people are married that they should have intercourse because they come together and agree that we have become one. So until you become one with God, don't expect him to have intimacy with you. Why would God tell you things about him when the things he has written about himself you are not willing to obey? Let me say that again. Why would God give you deep revelations of things that are hidden when the things that he has revealed you are not willing to obey? The common things that God has said to you in the day you are not willing to put to practice. Why do you think God is going to reveal deeper things to you when you not obey the common ones? He said, God, he said, my son, give me this. My son, pray like this. My son, go left. And you act as if you don't hear. And you say, oh God, reveal yourself to me. And God is saying, I have revealed myself to you in scriptures. And you are not willing to obey me in the things I have written. What makes you think God is going to show you more of himself? Where you are not willing to do what he has asked you to do. When Jesus becomes Lord of your life, when you give him control over your heart, when you give him control over everything that you owe, that, that is when you start seeing God in your life. Hallelujah. Before God would bless Abraham, he said to Abraham, give me your son, your only son. The test was to see whether he was Lord of Abraham's life. When Abraham gave him his only son, then God understood that this man will not withhold anything from me. And he said, because you do not withhold your only son from me, in blessing, I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply you. The reason why many of us do not experience intimacy with God is because Jesus is not your Lord. You are struggling to obey the simple things. And you expect God to show you the difficult things. When Jesus becomes Lord of your life, intimacy is, is easy. Hallelujah. God is struggling to get you to obey the common things. Until we get to that point, there are certain things God will never reveal to you. Amen. Amen. Jesus is Lord. What does it mean when say Jesus is Lord? This is important. In Psalms chapter 24, verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. The King James said, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. What does that mean? Everything that is on the surface of the earth 
belongs to the Lord. And so I ask myself this morning, if Jesus is Lord, and Jesus is my Lord, and at the same time is my Father, how can I be broke when my Father owns everything? Many Christians have not understood the concept of Jesus as Lord. That is why we struggle. That is why we are, we are desperate like every other person. But when we understand that the God we serve, the God we've given our lives to is Lord, and he owns everything in this world. Now when the Bible says the world, the word that is used to the world is cosmos, which means the governing systems. Meaning that God is the one who governs the companies, the governments, and the structures of this world. So when I'm going somewhere, maybe for an interview, I know that my God is governing that company. And if he desires to give me that job, that job is mine because Jesus is Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. They may sit there to interview me, but I know the final decision comes from the Lord who is seated in the heavenly places. Amen. Jesus is Lord. When the doctors tell me that I am sick and it looks like I'm going to die in six months, that is their analysis. I know the final say is in the one who owns my life because Jesus is Lord. He controls my life. He's the one that can take out breath from me. No man can take the breath he gave to me because Jesus is Lord. When you understand Jesus as Lord, many things about you will change. Hallelujah. Many things about you will change. I was talking to a young man yesterday who has a call from God and he's struggling to go to the Bible school. And he said, Pastor, there's a business I want to start. And I'm seeing myself in two, three years becoming a millionaire. And I said, are you trying to be a servant of God or a millionaire? Choose one. Because we can't be the two. Many of us, we are trying to accomplish our own desires. Then in the course of us trying to accomplish these desires, we add God to it. So God is like a hand luggage. We just pull God on our journey. But when Jesus becomes Lord, you follow him. Hallelujah. You follow him. God does not follow any man. That is why he said to the disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You, God will never follow you. It's either you follow him and he makes you. But if you go ahead of him, you will make yourself. When Jesus becomes Lord, you follow Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, before God will trust you, he will test his lordship in your life. You'll be praying one night and you hear a voice, empty your bank account and give it to the church. You say, I rebuke the devil. This voice talking to me, I silence it. It's not that God wants your money. God wants to test your lordship if you're fully submitted to him or you're submitted to your money. Or you hear a voice, take this your nice dress that you made in Cameroon for how many hundred dollars and give it to that sister in Dumfries that you don't like. You say, in the name of Jesus, any voice that is talking to me, I rebuke it. And the voice keeps coming. <laughs> when you learn to give that precious thing away, and you can trust the Lord, then God will start supplying to you. Because God knows that your trust is not in material things. Hallelujah. Amen. Anytime God wants to trust you with something, he will demand something. It's throughout in the scriptures. Anytime God wants to trust a man with something, he will demand for something. So sometimes... God is coming at some people so hard about money. It's not because God wants your money. It's because your trust is in money. And God is trying to take your heart away from money. 
Because the Bible says in Matthew, it says, where a man's treasure is, there will his heart be also. That is why I used to say that some of us in a year, we don't even use our pay time off. We are faithful to our jobs every day, showing up on time. But church, one time a month, when it starts to snow, I can't make it back. When it snows, you drive in that snow and make it to make your dollar. Because that is where your lordship is. That is where your allegiance is. Your drive is money. Your passion is money. But in this 2020, the Lord is saying, I need you all and everything about you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus wants to become Lord. He has been a tenant in your life for too long. He wants to become Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. He wants to become Lord. He has been on the side for too long. He wants to be at the center of your life. He wants to take control of all that you are and everything that you are. Is somebody hearing me this morning? Jesus is Lord. If the Lord speak to you and said, my son, my daughter, go home. Just take your documents and leave and give everything to a homeless man. And this voice came from heaven. I mean like the voice that you know the Lord speaking. My daughter, that kind of voice you see in movies. My son, I am the Lord your God. I speak to you today on this 4th or 5th of, this, of January. Take your documents and leave your house and give the key to a homeless man that I will send to you. And as you go home, the homeless man is standing right there by your door. And you know that this is what the Lord said. What will you do to the homeless man? Will you obey? But when you come to that place, you can give that key and walk away without looking back like Lot's wife. The reason why Lot's wife became a pillar of souls is because God was not Lord of her life. She was going, thinking about all the expensive clothes she bought, the expensive dishes, the jewelry that she left behind. And, oh my God, I can't believe I'm leaving all these things. But little did she know that God had more for her in the future than what she left behind. Many of us cannot fully give ourselves to the Lord because we have so much in the world we are trying to look at. We keep looking back. And that is why in Luke, it says, remember Lord's wife. Hallelujah. Jesus wants to be Lord of your life. As I end this morning, in 2020, make Jesus Lord and see how he shows up for you in everything. Make Jesus Lord. Let him take preeminence in your life. Don't follow your desires. Don't follow your emotions. Follow the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Like some people say, I'm following my heart. The Bible said the heart of man is desperately wicked and deceitful. How can you follow your heart? Follow the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. In this 2020, proclaim Jesus wherever you go. Amen. Jesus wants to be Lord. Amen. Can we stand on our feet?